has now turned into this beautiful community of over 150,000 across Facebook and Instagram that for the last seven years we've connected on those real and raw things, that perfection that mothers and women face and all of us that gets thrown at us and just the different things that we navigate and how we can focus on mental health and self-care as we navigate all of the roles that we play as parents, as people, as working individuals. When you were younger, were you always kind of drawn to photography and writing as a way of expressing and connecting with people? You know, it's so funny because I get asked that question, like, why'd you become a photographer? And I was always the one in high school who had the camera at the dances. Everyone was annoyed that I was asking to take a picture, but everybody wanted my doubles. Remember those? Like, you used to get doubles so that you could hand them off to people. But I have always been a writer. I journal in third grade, I wrote this little novel. I think it was this like crime novel. I don't know why it was crime, but I've always used, I used poetry. Uh, it was a creative outlet, but also a like mental health outlet for me. I just wrote down my feelings. And so it's interesting because I never saw it as being something that would become my career, but it is kind of neat to look back and see that the thing that I loved as a kid is the thing that I get to do now to make an impact on the world and to also provide for my family. It's pretty amazing. Why the name The Thinking Branch? Where did that come from? Yeah, so when I was, I don't know, let's call it seven or eight, I lived in a small town called Oil City, Pennsylvania, and along the side of my house was an alley. And just down the alley, off to the left, was this tree. And if you can imagine the leaves kind of hanging down, almost like creating this little tent, this little canopy that you had to push the leaves aside to go inside of it. And I would go there all of the time, whether I wanted to just be in nature and I wanted it to be quiet, or if I just needed some space, if I was just fighting with my sister or with my friends and I just needed the space and that tree had this branch that was just low enough that I could climb up on it, but not too high that I would sit on. And so when I thought about naming the blog and the social media platform, you know, I thought, how cool that as a kid, I knew that in a world that there was so much going on that I needed my space. I needed my space to be able to be introspective, creative. And as I got older, I realized I didn't have that thinking branch anymore, not just because I moved away, but because I was so busy that I never slowed down to think, well, where is that place that I need to go to find that outlet? And so the thinking branch social media platform became my outlet that I go to when I need to just release and reflect. And I hope that that's also what it is for other people is when they see a thinking branch post come through their feed that they know it's going to give them a chance to just stop, block out some noise and be able to authentically reflect. On your site, you share a letter to your postpartum self. Mm -hmm. I'm going to share the opening lines with our listeners. Hey, Mama, the minute I think of you, it's like my body goes back to feeling the stress and the fear and the anguish and the constant struggle. I wish I could hug you. Can you share why you wrote that post and your thoughts about needing more societal openness on struggles after childbirth, especially during those early years of becoming, you know, when moms have become new moms? That. It's hard to not get teary every time I think about that time or, or write about that time. And I mean, I, I struggled pretty deeply at a time where I feel like it wasn't talked about a lot. And I struggled quietly and in shame that here I was, this mother of three beautiful, healthy kids who I did not have any problems conceiving. And I have a supportive partner, an amazing family, a business that I love. Who am I to struggle? Well, I had a friend who was struggling to get pregnant and other people who like are single moms or whatever it is. I just was so ashamed that I wasn't the mother that the world 
told you that you are supposed to be. And it created a world for me that was just really dark and hard to navigate. And it wasn't until, you know, someone else opened up to me about their struggles and I started reading about other people having struggles that I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is not just me. This is a thing. This is just like if I broke a leg, I would go to a doctor for my broken leg. This is a thing that needs medical help and, and support. And so I reached out to a therapist and I think about that mom. I mean, it's still me, but like that time, like I just, I wish I knew then what I knew now as far as mental health, the maternal mental health goes. And so it's hard to think about that time, but I also believe that I was meant to go through that time because God knew that I had this gift of being able to share openly And my hope is that by me sharing openly that there's another mom out there that thinks she's by herself, that thinks that something's wrong with her, that reads this and sees that she's not alone in that. And so I feel honored to be able to use my platform. And I just always imagine when I write those things, I just hope to get that mom who's in the nursery at 3 a.m. crying, wondering if she's ever going to get sleep, wondering if she's ever going to love motherhood the way social media says you're supposed to and lets her see that there is help for her and she doesn't have to struggle in silence. I love that you also share that you had an epiphany that you're, you were not taking care of yourself. Yeah. And I love how you kind of uh, describe it, that you weren't even putting yourself last in the line of taking care of yourself. You weren't even in the line. Yes. Uh, and, it, yeah. and think about that. I, I think that that's such an important thing for moms to think about is we, we think of this like you have to put yourself first or, or she's putting herself last. And it's like if I'm not slowing down to take time to eat, because I'm so busy doing these other things, or if I'm not believing that my physical health is just as important as my kids' physical health and the way that I prioritize their doctor appointments and the way I worry about my kids' mental health, like if I'm not thinking about that, I'm not even in the line of consideration. That's even worse, right? And so that's where I was just like, what do I want for my kids? I want them to prioritize themselves. I know that, and listen, I know motherhood comes with sacrifice. I put my kids first in so many ways, in so many places in my life. But I've also learned that in order to be able to do that, I've got to take care of me so that I can come to parenthood and life as my whole self. But I also want to model that for my kids and for them to see that no matter what they become, that they need to take care of themselves along the way too. What have you learned? I mean, mentioning that whole parental guilt we kind of talked about, like the, the guilt is so real. And we, it's, what's so challenging is we do it to ourselves. It's not, outside forces are there, but at the end of the day, we're the ones who are beating ourselves up. Yep. And that can hinder how we often care for ourselves because we think, oh, well, I'll just put aside my needs, as you were mentioning, my doctor's appointments, cooking something healthy for me. I think that's one thing a lot of moms recognize is that I spend all this time making sure that my children have these wonderful, amazing, nutritious meals, and then I'm over here eating a bowl of cereal. Yeah, or their leftover mac and cheese. That's always my go-to, <laughs> you know. It's a difficult thing to navigate, and you know, the, to your point about the, the guilt, I actually had a really incredible experience this week in learning why mom guilt is such a thing that people tell us we're supposed to feel. And so we were like, well, if we don't feel guilty, we must be bad moms that we don't feel bad about going out on a walk or taking time with our girlfriends while our families are at home. Like I should feel bad. Am I a bad mom? So we had planned to go to this concert for months. So my parents were in town. We were going with our friends and my son had a baseball game thrown into the mix and it was a championship game. Okay. 
And mind you, our family plays a lot of sports. I, I will see my son play about 25 baseball games this summer, and I show up when I'm there. I am there, and if I'm not, I'm watching on the app. And it was one of those things that we couldn't cancel our plans. And so I went up to him and I said, hey, bud, I just want to let you know, you know that it crushes mom when, when she can't be there to cheer you on. But we have this plan so that you know that we always talk about how it's so important for mommy and daddy to go out and be with our friends and to, ha to have joy just like you do. And this was something that we planned a long time ago, but I'm going to be watching. And he goes, stop. I said, what? He goes, mom. I know you're there even when you're not. And then my daughter said to me, she goes, Mom, you deserve to have fun too. Like you are at all of our games. It's okay. It, and it's so much about how we talk to our kids about it, right? Like I will tell them, you know, listen, I will be there all the time, but there are going to be times that I can't make it. It doesn't mean that I don't love you. It doesn't, you know that you are my priority, but there are going to be times where things come up. And I think having that open conversation with our kids and not apologizing for going and doing these things that we love will show them again that they don't have to apologize for that later. Did I hate that I missed his game? Absolutely. Was I at dinner looking at the phone and watching the game? To see? Absolutely. But I knew in that moment that it was okay that I missed because I, in the midst of doing all of the sports and all of the things, I have to carve out that time for me. And so um, it was just really cool to hear him say that. I know you're there even when you're not, which to me says, Listen, putting me first does not just mean like, oh, you have to be there. It's like he knows because it's accumulation of all of these different things that, that we do as mothers, that they know that they are important to us, that one thing is not going to change that, right? So I just, um, yeah, I think guilt is something that people tell us that we're supposed to feel, and so we buy into it or feel bad if we don't feel guilty. Like we feel guilty if we don't feel guilty. How crazy is that? Right. And what you've kind of learned over the years, like, why do you think self-care is so important, but I feel like at times people dismiss it as kind of like, oh, it's frou-frou, or you're just being selfish, or yeah. it's just not. It's interesting because the importance of it is been shown scientifically, and yet there's still almost this dismissal. And not just for moms. I mean, dads also go through it, too. I mean, it's just in general, it's almost feel in the United States culture, it's almost like, well, you must not be doing it as much as you could be doing because you're not suffering enough. Like, and you're taking this time to have self-care. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, this coming from a social media professional might sound crazy, but, like, social media, it's, it's social media. You see all of these posts of people's opinions, and, and it's hard sometimes to formulate your own opinion when there's the noise of just constantly scrolling and taking in what everyone else says things should be. Like, that, it's almost impossible to not have that impact you. And I think for years, we've been told how to practice self-care. You know, you get like, oh, self-care, go to the spa. It's like, that sounds great for those who can afford it, for those who have time to. But, okay, that spa day is one hour, and then I still come home to my same day-to-day -day life. So what am I going to do when I don't have a spa day? Or they say, oh, self-care is a long shower. I'm like, oh, excuse me, that a basic human need is self-care? Or like, you know, so, so um, you know, I, I share with you, Erin, I'm actually a, a keynote speaker, and I do events around self-care. I speak with companies, mom groups, business networking groups. And the overarching theme that I try to go in there and say is, like, I am not here to be another person telling you what self-care should look like. Because the, at the end of the day, self-care is such a unique thing to each individual. What I need for self-care today is not the same as what I'm going to need in two weeks. 
right? When I, so I encourage people to go like on Sunday to look at their week and say, what tool am I going to need this week? So I'll look ahead and go, okay, well, we're going to be traveling. So I'm probably know that on Thursday, I'm going to be stressed out because I'm going to be packing and doing all the things. So I know in order to find my center and not get lost in the frustration of all the to do, I need to block off some time to go out on my walk and listen to my favorite podcast. And so I put that meeting with myself in my calendar. Now, next week, that's going to look differently. But I think that we have made self-care to be this unattainable thing because the world says it has to be these big, like, take a vacation and do a girl's trip and do a spa day when really self-care can be spending two minutes at your window looking out at nature and just taking a couple of deep breaths. Self-care can be inviting a friend over for coffee and shutting your computer and having human connection for a little bit. Self-care can be practicing and noticing when you lack confidence. You, we've all been there when we've walked out of a room and we're like, ah, oh, like I was, I, I played small and self-care to me is taking those moments and saying, okay, thank you moment for teaching me that I still have some work to do on my confidence. And so now I'm going to go do that. That's self-care to me, but that's not what it is for you, Erin, right? It's like, it's what, what it is for each person. And so I think that we need to stop looking outward for the world to tell us how to practice self-care and instead ask ourselves constantly, daily, weekly, monthly, whatever season of life we're in, what do I need today to prioritize my inner peace? And I think that's the key. Talk to me about giving mothers space, because I see that a lot in, the, in your writing, and you just kind of touched on it with that your previous answer, and just the importance of it, because, again, the rushing, the running around, trying to get all the things done, and there's something to be said about just that word, space. Space. So I use that word a lot. Space is, because I'm, I'm, I'm interesting, like, I need space in my calendar to be with my girlfriends. I also need space space to not be around anyone at all. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, so when I, when I think about space, it's again, the internet wants to pit mothers against each other. Say, are you a hot mess mom or are you a put together mom? Are you a put your Christmas tree up early mom or not? Are you a summer camp mom or not? And we, we love to do this back and forth, but my goal, so much of the work that I do on the thinking branch, especially early on when I was talking about young motherhood is we need to create space for mothers to mother the way that they want to mother. We need to catch ourselves when we start to question a mother about her decision. Are you sure you want to do that? Well, why'd you do that? Even those little things or when we think that we're giving a mother advice and really we're shaming her for the decision that she made. And I think that there's a little bit of a generational thing here too. Fortunately, I am not on the end of it. My mom, and she's done a million things for me, but probably the most beautiful thing she's ever done for for me is giving me space to mother the way that I want to mother and not telling me how to mother. However, there is a lot of, you hear, I hear my community say like, oh, my my mom or my mother-in-law or that generation tells me like, hey, we didn't do it this way. Why are you doing it this way? Or then a friend might go, well, why are you doing that? And, and moms are already, we question ourselves without all of that. So I think when we, we talk about creating space for mothers, I think it's thinking, how do we create space for her to just be who she is? Also, how do we create space in her calendar? So one of the things I love to do is make an extra batch of whatever I'm making for dinner and just walk down the street and give it to a friend to create that space that she doesn't have to think about cooking dinner. 
right? Or sending a text to a mom and saying, hey, I just want you to know, like, I, I know we see each other every day, but I watch you with your kids, and you are so incredible. Create space for her to see the goodness in herself, right? Or texting a friend saying, hey, on Thursday, I'm free from 12 to 3. I'm going to take your kids. Here are three options. You can, I can either take them to Target or, you know, and, and, and just create space for her to have space for herself. And I just think that if we can constantly think about how do we create space for moms, whether that's mental health space, schedule space, space to just be who she is, like that is what we need to continue to do for each other. It's interesting you're mentioning what your mom did for you. That made me think about my own mother right now and kind of walking through like the challenges of being a parent and how different it is from when we were growing up in the 70s and the 80s and even the 90s. And I've been really, really appreciative of her for saying, you know what? You're dealing with things I didn't have to, but I'll listen. Mm -hmm. And just not trying to solve it, but just say, you know, when I'm frustrated with figuring out the screens and what's going on with, you know, social media and anxiety with girls and all these different things that I now worry about. Uh, Violence in schools. Didn't have that when we were growing up. So she just says, I didn't have to worry about that, but I'm here to listen to you and I support you. Yeah, I love that. I, and, and it's important. And, and again, I think, you know, I, I think about myself as a mother and I'm, and I'm, or like as like mothering my children, if they choose to become parents, like I can see how I can be like, well, this really worked for me. But, and, and I think people are, you know, meanwhile, when they do that, when oh, they, yeah. you know, do that. But I just think that, yeah, we just have to catch ourselves. And it's why self-care is important because when I practice self-care, I have time with myself to be really like hone in on who am I as a mother? How do I identify as what, what, do, what does motherhood look like to me? And when you create that quiet, which is, again, what self-care is for me, I can hear my own voice. So when those other ones come in, it's not so loud. And something else that I wanted to share, uh, there was a piece of feedback that was given in an event that I did recently where when a mom is, um, like, for example, uh, let's just say a mom is going back to work after having her first baby. We will say something like, you must be so excited to go back to work. Or we say, well, you have to be so sad that you're going back to work. And I, I had a friend who was like, I felt guilty that I was excited to go back to work. Like, I thought I was supposed to feel sad. So what she says that she always says is, how do you feel about going back to work? That way, we're not just telling her how she should think and just ask, how do you feel about that? Like, instead of just saying, you know, oh, you must be whatever. And, you're, and then if you're not, you're like, well, should I be? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. I love that question. How do you feel about that? Not just for mothers, for anybody. Like, how do you feel about that? It's the end of school. Oh, you must be so excited to have the kids somewhere. Oh, that must be. How do you feel about the end of school? Then mm-hmm. you give mom space to be able to say how she's feeling about it and not implying that she should feel a certain way. Graduation too. I have quite a few friends who had graduates this year. And it's all yeah. over. You can tell it's all over the spectrum on how everybody feels about it. Yeah, and, and everybody should be able to, you know, like somebody should be able, someone should be able to cry all through graduation and just be sad and lonely and wondering, because here's the other thing, it's like empty nest, you know, like you don't know what that marriage looks like. And, or maybe I am the mom looking at my graduate going, I am, I'm, I'm sad, I'm going to miss her, but I am so excited for what's next for her. So how can I be sad? And everybody gets to feel that way. You know, everybody gets to feel the way they feel about it. We're going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors. This episode of the Girls That Create podcast is brought to you by the Girls That Create website, where we provide parenting resources for raising creative girls while also encouraging greater female representation across the arts. Visit us at 
www.girlsthatcreate.com, where you'll find articles by some of our podcast guests, including Dr. Michelle Borba, Jessica Leahy, Renee Trudeau, and many more. You can also sign up for the Girls That Create newsletter at www.girlsthatcreate.com slash newsletter. She is brave. She is bold. She is you. And we want to tell your story. Are you ready to share your journey with us on Word of Mom Radio? Go to wordofmomradio.com and register as a guest. We want to tell your story because when you win, we all win. Unsilenced Voices has been working diligently in Ghana, Sierra Leone, Rwanda, and the USA to combat domestic violence, sexual abuse, and human trafficking. We currently have over 50 young girls on a wait list in Sierra Leone to go through a vocational training program to get them off the streets and out of harm's way. We have gifted over $33,000 to U.S. survivors and are looking for volunteers and donors to help us continue our cause. Please visit us at www.unsilencedvoices.org. Again, unsilencedvoices.org for more information. And we're back with the Girls That Create podcast on Word of Mom Radio. My guest today is Bree Schmidt, founder of The Thinking Branch. That kind of leads me to my next question because I, one of the things I saw in your writing I really appreciated is you mentioned that now after the pandemic that there were certain things that brought you joy before the pandemic that don't necessarily now bring you joy, that you've changed. And I think that's something we all feel. It's just a lot to take in. And I would love to hear your thoughts about that, about the idea that, you know, we are constantly evolving. I think the pandemic, what it did is it just sped up evolving for a lot of us. <laughs> and, you know, why it's important to both understand that and then also to surround yourself with people who also get that, like understand that throughout life we're consistently becoming a new version of ourselves. Yeah. Well, see, I, I got thrown into not only was it like post-pandemic, I turned 40 this year, which also does a thing to you and thinking about like, hey, you know, I start to think about what's important to me at 40 versus what was important to me at 25 and thinking about how different I am. But I will say this past year has been, I, I've, I've, struggled with the evolving process. I don't love the evolving process. Let's just get like, just tell me what's changing. Tell me what new things I'm going through. And let's, let's just get to the part where not, now I know who I am. <laughs> it's very uncomfortable because there are times where I'll, you know, well, maybe I'll be a little bit more isolated. Okay. So maybe I'm like, okay, I got really used to just kind of having my own space. But then I think, is that a bad habit? Because we need human connection. Or have I just learned that I used to need to go out and be with everybody and be invited to everything, and I would be upset if I wasn't invited to everything because I was like, well, why are they doing stuff together? And now I'm very particular in who I like to spend time with. But again, it's, it's this constant back and forth in my brain going, is this me evolving or is this me struggling? Like, is this isolation mean that like, I'm because that's what I do when I'm struggling with mental health. I shut everybody else out and I'm like, I don't want to bother everybody else. I'm just going to figure this out before everybody knows that I'm struggling. So I'm constantly, am I spending more time alone? Because that's just what brings me joy. And that's kind of who I am now that I've gone through these last couple of years. And I think the other thing too, is what we've seen is relationships look different after COVID. There was a lot of polarity, you know, in COVID and people having different beliefs and different things and um, feeling very strongly about certain things and people voicing that a lot more. I can certainly say that I can admit that I was a person that 
lived in the middle for a long time because I was like, oh, I don't want to ruffle feathers. And, you know, I'm just going to let everybody get along. But then, you know, there were some things that came up over the last couple of years that I felt really strongly about and no longer could I be the person that just sat in the middle. And so what happened is I, I started speaking up and saying things and that made people like, well, what's going on with Bree? They didn't know how to handle that. You know, and so it's almost, am I edgy now? Is this me being edgy or, or it's just me going, you know what? Like I, I need to stand up for the things that I believe in now. And, um, and so there's, there's all of these things that man, oh man, I am exhausted from the evolving process. I, I am, I am exhausted from it. Um, but you're right. I just think, I think COVID forced all of us to really, you just slowed down and had to take a hard look at your life and your relationships and your work and all of it. I'm tired of evolving. <laughs> it, was, it was almost like a slowdown and then acceleration. A strange yes. thing. Yeah. And then we were just like, we're like back and it was almost just like, Oh, we're back to normal. I'm like, nothing is normal. I, I wrote this piece about how I looked around and everything looks the same. Like my house is the same. You know, my husband's the same, you know, my, my neighborhood's the same, but nothing is the same. Nothing is the same. But yet we're like, Oh, we're back to normal. I'm like, this is not normal. Like we are all different. The world operates differently. The workforce looks different. And yet we're just all just shoved back into it. To your point, it was like slowed down. And then we were just pushed back into it, calling it normal. And so everyone's, okay, this is normal. I guess I'm just going to come back as my old normal self. But then how does this work now? So I think it's going to be really interesting to see over the next couple of years, and especially with our kids, what results we see from all of this evolving is tiring. And ongoing. I think of it like, sometimes I kind of, in my head, I visualize the physical, mental, and emotional health. And it's almost like a three-legged stool. And when one of those is like out of whack, the whole stool falls over. So what true. is your advice? Because it inevitably happens to all of us. We also look up and, you know, our stool's on the floor and we're lying there in a daze going, what just happened? Um, yeah. What do you recommend on how to both recharge and regain balance when you find yourself in that situation? Yeah, I, I, it's the answer I have every time is you just first have to, rec- have to notice it. Um, how many times do we catch ourselves like, snapping at our family, you know, being impatient or just getting frustrated. And then we just, we just keep going. We just keep running the hamster wheel where we're like, we're exhausted, but we don't have time to stop and think about that because there's other things to do. So we just, and we're all on this mission to get there to this inner peace, right? But we're not stopping and going, what is inner peace to me? What do I need today? So it goes back to what I talked about, which is we need to stop looking at self-care and finding the balance on our three-legged stool as this one big thing that we do. It is a constant glance at that stool going, hmm, that mental health side's a little off. And it's noticing it, asking myself, what do I need to do to get my mental health back? And then you put the, the folded up napkin underneath there, whatever that tool is to get it back in balance. And, and I think that that is the mistake that we make is we feel it, we know it, but we keep running the hamster wheel. We don't stop and try new things or ask ourselves what it is we need or say, hey, am I operating under what my values are, which is my family is first, like my fulfillment, life memories, and doing great work with my business. When I look at my day-to-day, and I'm, you are doing a bunch of things that don't matter. <laughs> so what steps can we take to recharge and regain balance when we look up and the stool's on the floor and we're lying in a daze and we're wondering what just happened? Yeah. Well, it goes back to what I always talk about is it first takes noticing that it's off, 
right? So often we just operate under this autopilot. We're running this hamster wheel that either we just live in a state of exhaustion and frustration and just don't do anything about it, but it's when you notice that maybe you're having a little less patience with your family or you're not finding joy in the things that you typically find joy in that you actually stop and ask yourself, what do I need? You know, so if I look at the, at the mental health pillar of my stool and I see it's a little wobbly, instead of just going, huh, mental health's a little wobbly, that I actually ask myself, what do I need to do to stick the little napkin underneath it and give me my balance again? What do I need to do to get there? Is it schedule another call with my therapist? Is it to go on more walks? Is it to talk to my safe space person about what's going on? Is it to talk to my doctor? What is it? And actually doing that. I think it, it is the whole thing about finding balance is we just have to stop asking the world for directions on how do we fix this piece of the, the stool and, set, and just go and ask ourselves, what do we need? And if we can't do that, I mean, there's been times where I've been there and I'm like, I don't know what I need. I'm so frustrated. That's why it's so important to have our circle of support around us, the people that know us well, that can maybe help us notice, check in with us and ask us how, how they can help. Because sometimes we don't have the answers, but I always go to myself first. I always ask myself first. And if I can't find it there, my, my partner, my friend, my therapist, whatever I need to do that. Last question. I know when you become a parent, it's almost like this whole identity change. I, one of the things I know you know I briefly kind of mentioned at our talk previous before this interview was how we lose ourselves. Like there's that, it is so easy. You almost look up and you realize that you feel like all I am is so-and-so's mom. My entire identity is wrapped in being so-and-so's mom. What is your advice when someone kind of looks up and they're like, gosh, this doesn't feel good. I love my kid. They're the most important person in my life and my spouse, you know, or partner, or maybe you are a single parent and you're just like, you know what, it's just me and the kids. And I feel that this is just everything, but there's something missing. I'm feeling disconnected. I would love to just hear your thoughts about centering and bringing yourself back and recognizing that you are still you and there's still pieces of you that were before kids that you still carry and they deserve to be nourished and celebrated and loved. One of the, my go-to things is when I'm feeling that way, and especially if it comes to like motherhood, where I'm like, oh, I'm giving all of myself and I'm, I'm unbecoming all of these other things that I used to be that led to me being a mom is I ask myself, what advice would I give to my kids if that was them in adult life? If, if my son came to me and said, Mom, like I am struggling, I feel like all I am is a, is a dad and a partner, or all I feel like I am is an employee at my job, um, what would I say to him? And if I would say that to him, why am I not saying it to myself? Because, again, part of motherhood is showing them how. So I, my hope is that if he, you know, gets that way one day that he'll be like, you know what, I saw my mom. My mom was still able to be a really great mom, but she still honored who she was along the way too. Like that to me is like the, my goal is, is I want them to remember, there's a quote I wrote and I'm not going to say it correctly, but it's like, do I want my kids to remember a mom who loved them? Absolutely. But do I also want them to remember a mom who along the way honored all parts of herself. Absolutely. Because that is what I want for them. And so I think that, um, you know, and, and I think, I think there is also something to say here too of 
sometimes that's just the season that you're in. Because if you wanted to tell me when I was a mom of a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a newborn that I could go out and do what I'm doing now being like with the, with the resources I had, no way. You know, like I, I couldn't. And so sometimes I, I find myself going, this is just what it is right now. So instead of wishing it were different, like I used to do, I'm like, when they're all in school, it will all be okay. I'll just get there. It's going, okay, right now is really hard. Right now, I am about 90% motherhood and maybe 10% me over here. And if that can't change, like, again, if you don't have a partner that can help, if you don't have the financial resources to hire someone to help, that is what it is. And so it's saying, again, goes back to what do I need right now? What can help me find that inner peace? And what, what it is for that single mom, what it is for me, what it is for you is going to be different. And so instead of wishing things were different, it's just recognizing what they are and figuring out day to day what we can do to move ourselves back to that whole centered, whole self inner peace. I love that. Bree Schmidt, thank you so much for being with us on Girls That Create today. Thank you for your great, thoughtful questions, too. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I love what you're doing with this podcast, and I feel really grateful to uh, to be a part of it. And I would like to say, if any uh, of your listeners would love to be a part of our community, I am on Facebook and Instagram at The Thinking Branch. And also, if there's anyone out there as well who maybe is a part of an employee resource group at their company or has a mom group, I do both virtual and in-person talks about self-care, and I would love to connect with you there. But thank you so much for giving me a chance to connect with everyone here today. Absolutely. And we will have a link to Bree's website in the show notes. Awesome. Thanks, Erin. Thank you. To all of you tuning in, thank you for joining us on Girls That Create on Word of Mom Radio. Let's all try to give someone we care about more space in their lives. Here's our closing theme song by Smith Sisters and the Sunday Drivers. Till next time, this is Erin Prather Stafford. She is sure. She is strong. She is strong.